From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 54. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Build It Beautiful, Fracture, photos printed in vivid color directly on glass and arc, automatic and secure backup for your files. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by the wonderful Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello, I am well, Mike. How are you? I am very well indeed. I am very happy today because the Wanderer has returned, Mr. Federico Vitici. Hey guys, I'm back. Welcome back. How was your break? Thank you. It was a very long break. It was amazing. I mean, we we visited a lot of places and we drove around Italy. It turns out that Italy is quite big and it can take you a while to go from the very, you know, southern part of Italy back to Rome, especially when you're driving. Uh, but we're happy and I feel relaxed. And I feel also out of the loop on everything that happened on Twitter and internet in general. Like, I don't know what's going on. That's a weird feeling when you're always, like, following the news and, and you know, reading all the tweets. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm basically counting on Steven to teach me everything that's going on with the follow-up and to kind of, you know, be my guide. Can you can you be my guide to life, Stephen? In general, I'll be your life coach. Is really what it sounds like. Thank you. you. Need. Uh, well, Apple's out of business, and um, this shows about Google now. Yeah, even Ada referred to email. Okay, something well, to do uh, with the stock markets, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad. I, scene. I can talk about Google. I can talk about Google. I can. I can. You know, I can live with that. It, so Apple is really out of business. It's yeah. over. What is What is Tim Cook doing now? He works at uh, he works at Google. Oh, oh, okay. Yep. Well, that's quite a change. But he works at like the hot dog stand. Like it, it's not a real oh. job. It's pretty. Oh, it's not huh. great. All of these in eleven days. It's been really busy, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the the T is for Team Cooking Alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're trying to say. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah, they Perfect. they got him mixed up when he had it in his resume, and it said cook, and then they put him on the hot dog stand. <laughs> yeah. Thank rough. you very much, everyone. I'll see myself out. Wow. Wow. Yes, Mike. <laughs> Stephen, save us for follow-up. I will save us by correcting our past mistakes and sins. Mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all we ever do, really. Uh, <laughs> so last week we had uh, David Sparks on, and we were talking about the iTunes Festival, um, which we had said is has been in London, but uh, actually up until... This year uh, also took place at South by Southwest, the uh, giant nerd event, uh, mammoth uh, mass of humanity that that sends on uh, Austin, Texas every year. You sound really excited about yeah, this event. <laughs> the last place I want to be in the world is South by Southwest. Uh, I will never go. But uh, uh, I think really? that they maybe did it like once or twice there. There's no, there's no way it's been going on for as long as it has been in London. No, yeah. they did it uh, in, yeah, only once in 2014, I think. Yes, and it is not happening this year. We have a, a link in the show notes uh, to a website whose name I cannot pronounce because it's just letters. But um, mixed down, man. Yeah. Why Come on, like... where's your where's your Web 2.0 language gone? I, I know, you know, yeah, they dropped all the vowels, but uh, it's not going on this year. Still, just in London. I, I stand by what we said last week, though. I think it'd be really cool to see Apple expand this, but uh, no, no Apple Music Festival for South by Southwest victims this year. 
sounds like the kind of place where uh, Robert Scoble would go to. Yeah. Am I right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of startupy kind of environment. Yeah, my understanding is it used to be a lot cooler than it is before it got too big, and now it's not so like not basically people, not a lot of people really go anymore. Well, well, lots of people go, but not a lot of people that I know go anymore. Anyway, mm-hmm. it seems like it got way too big, and it seems like Austin can barely cope with South by Southwest. Yep. South by Southwest. Uh, I want to provide a bit of follow-up because uh, last week I heard the real disappointment in David's voice when I told him that I wasn't listening to Beats 1 very much anymore. Um, and I was talking about the replays and I've actually this week I've gone in and listened to some of the Beats 1 uh, replays. Uh, I listened to a couple of Alton John's uh, and I think Eddie Golding as well. And I think the experience is great. Like I can go in and I can listen to all of the songs and I can listen to the the uh the banter or the you know the descriptions between songs um, which i think is really important with these shows i feel like this is how it always should have been like they should have had this from day one and also kind of like officially supported it needs to be uh better surfaced in a navigation like you currently have to dig through a mass of connect pages to try and find it um mm. and there should be like a whole ui based around the fact that these replays exist i don't think they need to be podcasts i think it shouldn't be that um because you'll end up with all kinds of problems if you're apple trying to get the music for that stuff but just have it as a as a you know maybe when you go onto the radio tab there should just be like a replays button and you press replays and you get a list of replays rather than like trawling through connect to find them in a weird list which doesn't really seem to make much sense but it's cool <sighs> I haven't been listening to music actually, like at all, in the past two weeks. Always been busy, you know. Wake up early, go to the beach, then have lunch, go to the beach again, prepare for dinner, go out for dinner, you know, go out after dinner, come That's back, tough. go to sleep. Very tough. I'm you pleased know? that you were able to get through it for all of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I haven't been listening to podcasts. I'm sorry, guys, or, or music. I'm sorry, Mike. And. I mean, uh, I think it is a nice option to have, you know, the replay. It needs it needs a better like integration with the with the with the app itself, because right now, as you said, you gotta go to connect and you gotta find basically what you're looking for. Instead, it should always be there alongside a full schedule. I'm, I still think there should be like a full schedule or full calendar or what's going on on Beats One. Um, I think I, I want to like catch up on Beats 1 episodes, shows, as much as I want to listen to the, the podcast episodes that I've missed. I don't know if there's a comparison to be made about, you know, listening to Beats 1 shows as podcasts, you know? Because much of the shared experience, I guess, is in the live listening. But based on what I see on Twitter, like, a lot of people are listening to Beats 1 shows with this new system instead of listening live every day. There's still quite a few people in my Twitter, you know, timeline that listen to Beats 1 every day live at the same time. But much of the original, like, the the, the, the excitement around the, the launch of Beats 1 has kind of faded away with time. And so right now I'm seeing people listening to the replays like you, Mike, and I don't know if I'll have the time to always listen to Beats 1 shows and podcasts and music. You know, it's a lot of audio content, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. It is convenient, but it's also a lot of stuff. 
Right, so last week I spoke about, well, we all spoke a little bit about kind of the things that we use input-wise. We talk about trackpads and stuff like that. And, and I was mentioning my mouse trackpad keyboard scenario that I have going on here. And I was complaining about the fact that I have two receivers. I have a Microsoft receiver and a Logitech receiver. Um, well, that's what I didn't mention, actually. What I mentioned last week is I had these two receivers and it was really annoying that I had to have two. But one of my one of my pieces of equipment, my keyboard is a Microsoft keyboard and then I have a Logitech mouse, so I had to have the two little dongles. So a bunch of people sent in links to the Logitech unifying receiver and the Logitech unifying software. So if you have two Logitech devices, you can join them together to use just one of those receivers. So I didn't make that clear, but that is out there for people in case they need it. Um, so you have the ability to, to link those two things together so you don't have to have a bunch of little dongles hanging out the back. But since last week's show, um, I have bought something. Uh, I bought a new mouse. <laughs> and basically the way this came to me is I've been watching a lot of uh, MKBHD videos, Marcus, uh, Marcus Brownlee's uh, videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a video about the Logitech MX Master mouse. Mm-hmm. and I went and bought myself one of those. And I'm in love so deeply with this mouse. How it, are you using this mouse? It, what do you mean? Like, like, because I missed last week. Okay. Uh, tell me, like, is this useful for, like, editing in Logic, that kind of stuff, like yeah. all the shortcuts that it gives you? Well, okay. so the, the original one that I had, uh, it was just because I like to have a mouse and a trackpad, right? So I I use the mouse for the precision editing, sort of clicking and the dragging and stuff, but then I use the trackpad for gestures, like zooming and panning around the file. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like to just use a mouse for it. And plus I use a mouse to try and prevent RSI issues because I started to get a bunch of pains in my hands when I was just using trackpads all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the Logitech mice are made to, to be ergonomic, I think. At least that's the way that they look and what they say. So, but I went and picked up this Logitech MX Master, and it is expensive. It's it's in the region of like ninety to a hundred dollars. Um, but it has a bunch of things that I really love, and there's a bunch of things that it can do, which I've set this thing up to be like the perfect piece of equipment. So one thing, this connects by Bluetooth which is brilliant because my existing Logitech mouse, I had to plug the little receiver in. You do get the receiver as well if you want to use that, um, but whatever. Uh, It also charges via mini USB rather than needing batteries, which is another plus um, because I have a bunch of those cables everywhere and there's always one plugged into something. Uh, You can set up three machines of it and it has a little button on the bottom to do one, two, and three so you can program in in its memory, different computers, so you can use different machines of it, which is also good for me when I take my uh, MacBook Pro out, like, and I go and edit something from my co-working space. But the the crazy thing about this is there is a piece of software that Logitech make called Logitech Options that lets you customize what every single button on this thing does. So I have now, like, the perfect mouse for basically every use so there is a button there's a few buttons that are called the gesture buttons there's one in like where you put your thumb and if i click down on that and swipe the mouse left and right it changes spaces right which is something that i needed the trackpad for to be able to switch spaces so i just press a button and move the mouse left and right on the desktop 
and it will change my spaces. I can also click that button to get to Mission Control, which is also very useful. But then when I'm in Logic, this has a couple of things on it on this mouse which are just brilliant for me. So it has a thumb wheel that you can scroll left and right with, so I can scroll left and right in the document. Um, the button that, you know when you are on these types of mice, you can have your uh, the the wheel, the scroll wheel, either mm-hmm. go smooth or have that like resistance, like the clicking resistance. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. You can the program the button that you use to change that. You can actually program to do anything. So I have that button. So I have my my wheels always with resistance, so it's clicking. And that button, when I press that button and move the mouse up and down, it zooms in and out. So I can zoom in and out on the logic tracks. And then it has two buttons on the side, which would usually be your back and forward buttons. And I have those mapped to the space bar and command. So when I press the space bar one, it will pause and play. And then I press command, which gives me the like the modifier key so I can access like tools, right? So I can mm-hmm. select that and then I can c- cut parts out of the audio. Uh, and then the other crazy thing that I've done is the button that you, on the scroll wheel, you know, you get the button on the scroll wheel, right? You can click it in. I've mapped that to delete. So I can, so this is like something that I'm doing now. I'm, I press play on the mouse. Right, I find a part that I want to stop. I want to cut, so I press the play button on the mouse. I hold down the modifier key, select the area, click it, then press the delete key, and then press play again. Like it's I can awesome. do this all with the mouse. Wow. This thing is amazing. I love it so much. It's perfect. It's ex- I'm I'm still getting used to it, but I could just use this, and I would be totally fine. Like it so does everything I need. You have a bespoke mouse work workflow. Yes, I feel like you. you right now. Like I, I, I felt when at the moment where I realized that I could map the buttons to play, pause, and command, I, I felt like I'd committed some sort of evil genius crime. Mm-hmm. Like I just felt like cackling. Uh, it was, it was a great moment for me. I'm very, very happy with this mouse. It is expensive, uh, but it is just fantastic. Like I absolutely love it, and I think people that do this type of stuff, this is this is a mouse you should check out. Logitech have really made something very special, and the fact that you can customize it so much is what I love about it. Like because I've used these types of mice before, like from this same range, and there's little bits that you can do, so you can customize some of the buttons. But the fact that this has more buttons than previous ones, right? Then they've done that purposefully so you can do things like spaces and mission control. And like you can change it all. So like when I press that gesture button down to go through spaces, it moves in four directions, right? So I can go left and right in spaces and I can go to expose and app expose. But you can customize that completely to do any number of actions and you can just choose from everything. Uh, It really is fantastic. I absolutely love it. And for people that do like serious work that needs this type of stuff, right? Like I don't know if you need this for web browsing so much, but like if you're doing things like like audio editing or video editing, um, this this mouse really is kind of perfect for that sort of stuff. And it's very comfortable. Um, the battery seems to be really good on it. Uh, like I've been using it for a week and the battery's still going. And uh, I've, well, let's see how many, I'm moving it around. It's not showing me how 
good the battery life is because it's got the little indicator light, but it doesn't matter. But the battery is really good. Uh, I'm very, very happy with this. I think that this is a, a very, very fantastic mouse and it could have completely upended my, my little setup here. Nice. So very there nice. Go. There you go. So check it out. I, I'm looking forward to my kickback from Logitech for this. <laughs> if, it, if it ever comes. So there you go. I have uh, that is Mike's mouse corner uh, for the day, and uh, I'm, I, this is all I care about right now is input devices. Uh, I have tablets and all kinds of stuff here, but uh, I love it, and this is a great, great piece of kit. Do you feel like you would want to use the, a mouse with the iPad because it's so customizable and so powerful? Don't tease me. <laughs> I can set it up as the third one on my programming here. Wow. You know, I can I can set up the Mac Pro and then my MacBook and then my iPad. Oh, that would be, wouldn't that be a great day for all of us? I guess. <laughs> you don't want a mouse on the iPad, Federico? Uh, I'm not sure why I would want to use a, a cursor on the iPad. No, I don't either. That's crazy talk. But you know, the the physical shortcuts those are kind of awesome. Yeah. You know, all the configurations. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's what makes this for me. Like, yeah, it's no yeah. better a mouse than any other mouse, right? You can still yeah. move it around the same as any other mouse. Um, but it's it's how customizable it is, not just that it has all of these buttons. The fact that you can customize them all uh, makes it really, really cool. Nice. Should we take a break? Yeah. Let's do it. We have a new sponsor this week, and that is Arc. So... We spoke about these guys a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about our backups, and I'm sure Stephen will have some things to say in a moment. But so I think, you know, by now, especially if you've been listening to the show for the last few weeks, we all know that off-site backups are a critical part of a well-rounded backup strategy. But if you want to have as much control over this process as possible, then you should check out ARC. That is arcbackup.com slash connected, and they spell it A-R-Q. So A-R-Q-B-A-C-K-U-P.com slash connected. Of course, I have the link in the show notes. What ARC does is it backs up all of your files on your Mac or PC including all of the metadata that you have attached to them. Everything is encrypted with a password that only you know before it ever leaves your computer, meaning that your files are safe and secure in transit and on remote servers. Arc stores your backed up data in your own cloud storage account so you can keep control of everything. All the data that you have can be controlled. You can leverage the extra space in your Google Drive, Dropbox or OneDrive accounts for your encrypted backups or backup to AWS or cloud a Google Cloud storage account. These backups are versioned so you can go back in time and grab a file that's changed or has been deleted with ease. Arc is super easy to use, but if you want to have any questions, you can always email the great people over at Arc. They're fanatical about support and really want to make sure that your data is safe and sound. Now, Stephen Hackett is a happy Arc customer. So just give a, a quick overview as to like to why this is good for you. And can you explain a little bit more about like the extra space and where does your stuff get saved? Yeah, so that, it's sort of the, one of the same. You can set Arc up to back up to things like Dropbox or Google Drive. I use Amazon uh, Cloud Drive, which you talked about, which is um, basically unlimited space for a, a very reasonable yearly fee. And so that you, you get the complete control of what you back up and, and where it goes. And it's, everything's, what I really like about it, everything, everything is encrypted with a key that you know. So when you set your backup up, you set an encryption key. I have mine saved somewhere safe and sound and so even if someone got their hands on that data uh say that my amazon account were compromised they're just going to get encrypted files they're not going to be able to get my actual data because it is encrypted with a password that only i know and uh that for me was the the big selling point is that flexibility and power that comes with it 
If you want to find out more for yourself and try out an ARC today, you can go to arcbackup.com slash connected and you can try it out for free. Thank you so much to ARC Backup for their support of this show. So we wanted to uh, talk this week about the the rumored iPad Pro, which uh, you know very well could be coming to an Apple store near you. We've got a couple of links in the show notes, um, but to sort of recap what the, the rumors are saying, seems that uh, 12.9 inch display is on hand, uh, 2732 by 2048, which would put the same same uh, pixel density as the other Retina iPads, which is something we know Apple likes to do. They 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 like for their devices to be consistent uh, PPI. It's easier for developers, easier for Apple. Two gigs of RAM, which uh, would be nice on a device that is supposed to be higher powered. And of course, with a bigger display, you have bigger RAM needs. Uh, any iPhone 6 Plus owner can tell you that. And then, uh, of course, the stylus slash force touch angle of, you know, will this thing have force touch? Will it have true multi-depth? Um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Mike, you have one of these sitting on your desk. Uh, oh, like pressure the, the pressure sensitivity? sensitivity. Yes, exactly. That you know, pressure sensitive, uh, or is it just going to be force touch, or what will the stylus do? So all these rumors flying around. And uh, there seems to be a situation here where there's a lot of smoke. Maybe there's a fire. And uh, I really want to see what, what you guys thought in Federico, you in particular being the uh, the resident iOS and, and iPad expert. What do you think uh, a device like this could mean? And, and is this something that you'd be interested in uh, owning and, and using every day? That's two very difficult questions, Stephen. Um, I guess the first one, we need to think about the what the iPad is still trying to do. What kind of uh, use cases? What what kind of people need to to be addressed by by a bigger iPad? And right now we have an iPad Mini and we have the iPad Air, the iPad Air two. And I would argue that the iPad Mini it's still quite you know. For people who are looking for something bigger than a smartphone and even bigger than an iPhone 6 Plus, the iPad mini may be enough. But with the 6 Plus, we've seen a lot of people moving to the to the bigger iPad. And by people, I mean the kind of people who want to use both an iPhone and an iPad. And because there's, you know, the difference between the 6 Plus and the mini is so, it's much smaller these days. It makes sense to have a big smartphone and an even bigger iPad. So from this perspective, would you want to switch from an iPad Air to an iPad Pro, which is starting to approach MacBook territory when it comes to size? And I guess what we need to consider is what kind of use cases would a bigger iPad make uh, more, you know, what kind of use cases would a bigger iPad improve or make possible that are not possible on an, on an iPad Air? And I'm trying to think, and the more I think about this, the more I go back to the idea of a stylus or a pen, whatever, and force touch. Because there's a lot of jobs, a lot of, you know, professionals who need to they need to draw, they need to sketch, they need to have that kind of manual input on a, on a touch display that it's not as convenient, sometimes not possible at all because sketching on an iPad mini, uh, you know, it can be quite cumbersome. Uh, but maybe a bigger iPad 
with an officially supported Apple stylus or Apple pen with pressure sensitivity and really precise input would make those kind of jobs better suited for an iPad Pro rather than a smaller iPad. And I'm looking at the kind of software that Apple is building for the iPad. If we if we can find any any hints of you know this kind of new touch input, and I'm looking at iOS nine and the Notes app, and there's a new technology in iOS nine called uh, advanced touch recognition, something like that, advanced touch input, and it basically it's meant to reduce the latency between multi-touch, between your interaction on the screen and what actually is displayed on the screen. And you can try this by using the new sketch feature of the Notes app. If you pay attention to your swipes on the screen, you can see that any line you draw is drawn much faster than any other sketching or drawing app on the App Store. And that's because the new Notes app uses the new APIs um, to render touches and therefore lines on the screen quicker than before. And so if we look at the software that Apple is building, it would make sense to have a new stylus accessory with a bigger iPad, so much more comfortable to use if you need to draw, if you need to sketch, if you need to compose documents by hand. Uh, with this new advanced touch input and with force touch for pressure pressure sensitivity, it would make for an ideal kind of you know iPad for you know not just creative efforts for people who need to you know artists that need to they need the iPad as a sort of uh, of a of a you know <laughs> like a tablet you know uh, but also for you know any kind of drawing or or, or sketching. And I'm also trying to think about the iPad Pro for myself, right? Uh, would I need a bigger iPad? That's a very tough question because I think I'm mostly fine with the with the iPad Air, and I think I'm not in those type of users. Uh, I'm not an artist. I, I wouldn't use the iPad Pro to draw or sketch. Would I enjoy the occasional, you know... Uh, paper app with support for the Apple Pen and Force Touch. Yeah, but that's not a primary use case for me. So what I'm trying to consider is with the multitasking features coming to the to, to iOS 9, uh, and especially split view, which which lets you use two apps at the same time. A bigger iPad would make those two apps feel not like two mini apps displayed at the same time, but maybe like two full, complete, full-size apps displayed at the same time on a bigger iPad. When you use Split View on the iPad Air 2, it is super convenient and I love it. And it's been such a terrific addition to, to the way that I work on the iPad every day. But it feels like you're using two small... I mean, it, it's not that it feels. It is what you do. You use two small, mini, compact apps at the same time. On, on a bigger iPad, those would basically, in landscape mode, if we look at the rumored uh, resolution for the device, they would basically be two apps in portrait mode side by side uh, mm -hmm. on, a, on an iPad Air size. And th those two would make for, a, I guess, for, for a much more uh, convenient workflow when using two apps at the same time. You would see bigger text, you would have bigger uh, interface elements. They would just be more comfortable to use. Split view on the Air 2, it is convenient and it's useful 
but it still feels like, you know, it could be more, it could be bigger. And in that sense, I guess that an iPad Pro makes sense. Now, as you as you noted also in our in our notes, even there's a rumor that the split view would come to the will come to the new iPad mini as well. Now what I'm what I'm considering is just because it's possible doesn't mean that it's ideal for that device. And in the same sense that maybe, you know, the camera, you can you can take a picture on an iPhone 5S, but it looks better on an iPhone 6 and it looks even better maybe on an iPhone 6 Plus. And you can have split view on an iPad mini 4, maybe. You can have split view on an iPad Air, but it is better on an iPad Pro. That's maybe the angle that I'm, that I'm trying to think about. And the final question is, would I use an, a bigger iPad? Because I've talked a lot about you know the portability of an iPad. That's the, the, the most important aspect for me. I use the iPad every day because I can use the iPad every day because I move a lot, I walk a lot around the house. I don't have a you know a single desk where I'm trying to work. I like to write or read from my desk in the bedroom or from the table in the kitchen, from you know, from my sofa in the balcony, whatever. I like to move around. And a 13-inch iPad would be quite a big device, I guess. So I'm not sure about the, you know, the physical aspect. Would it be comfortable to hold? Would it be comfortable to use every day? Does it weigh a lot? I don't know. I mean, nobody knows. I can only imagine. And, you know, I've been trying to kind of put my hands around my screen of uh, the MacBook Air. Here we go again. Yeah. I'm trying to understand what a, what such a display would be like, and it's quite big. So, you know, it wouldn't would it even fit in my Tom Bean bag? I, I don't know. I am intrigued. So my final my conclusion for now, just a rumor. So my partial conclusion is, I am intrigued, especially for the stylus aspect, and especially even more for the multitasking. But I have doubts and concerns about the size and the the portability. And and I don't know. I mean, it's kind of weird to 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 associate the pro moniker with the iPad, you know, because the pro is usually Mac stuff. And iPad Pro, uh, like I don't know what to think. Is it pro because it's bigger? Is it pro because there's a stylus? Is it pro because Apple will make new pro apps? for the bigger iPad? Will they be exclusive to the bigger iPad if they really make new apps? Um, at this stage, I just have too many questions. And like, the more I think about it, the more I get anxious about knowing the truth, you know? <laughs> I remember, though, when we were talking about the mini and the, the regular iPad a long time ago, like you said a lot of very, very similar things, like about portability and stuff like that about the idea of switching from the iPad mini and why you love the iPad mini. Now, I know that, you know, 12, 13 inches is two or three inches bigger than the Air, but it's it's just interesting to me. Like, I wonder how... I wonder if... Because, you know, you, you ended up saying that you were happy with the Air because it was a good mix between portability yeah. and power. And I wonder if that will continue because the MacBook, the current MacBook, that is incredibly portable. And that is probably a similar-ish size to how an iPad Pro would be. But is it por- is it portable like in a bag or sure. is it comfortable to use in your hands all the time? Can you hold it 
like you don't hold the MacBook, you just rest it on your lap or a desk. Well, Stephen, why don't you tell us? What are you? <laughs> you've got one there. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm not carrying around the MacBook, you know, like an iPad. And and actually, this this if 12.9 inches is correct, this would actually be a good bit bigger. I mean, the iPad screen is 12 inches exactly, so it would be larger than 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 the, the MacBook. MacBook screen. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um. The iPad Pro would be bigger than the MacBook, so it's it, they're they are comparable, and I, I agree with you that the portability is a concern. I just I wonder if this device is really aimed and really gains traction in sort of the uh, artist, designer, creative type role mm-hmm. that it might you know it it might be something that you leave at your desk and then when you start when you go back to work the next morning it's there waiting for you. It, it may be something that is less portable just, you know, due to, to the use case. But either way, and I think this this is a little bit of recycling an old conversation as well, this is really new for iOS. And Federico, I share your sense of, I don't want to say dread, but your, your sense of curiosity about this because this this would be the first time really that Apple has introduced an iOS device that, sort of with a different purpose than the others, right? They, yes. they 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 came out with the iPad mini and it was like, cool, it's a smaller iPad. And that's all there really was to say about it. And if they do this and they really tell the story of this is great for these types of things, that's new. And, and it's definitely new for iOS. And I would even argue that it's new for Apple on the whole. You look at the Mac line, you know, Apple sells the MacBook as the portable machine. The, the MacBook Air is the affordable one. The Mac Pro is powerful, but all those computers can more or less do the same thing. And if the iPad Pro has unique hardware that sets it apart and, and Apple's building separate apps for it or richer apps for it and they ask developers to do the same thing, that's new territory all over the place. So I, yeah. I, I think there's good reason to look at this and be like, this is really an interesting time and a lot of new a lot of new stuff is going on here. This yeah, is a hard it, question to answer now, like many of the questions that we're asking. Who's this even for? Like, artists is not a market that is big enough to create an entire product for, right? This is for business as well. Enterprise, yeah, maybe. Because I know, be. like, when I was uh, still in my corporate job, I mean, and I worked in advertising, uh, I started to see a lot of advertising agencies uh, use surfaces because they could take them from place to place, right? Very, very easily. You could set them up. You could hook them up to a projector um, and it had all of the apps that you wanted on it and you had a pen that you could draw on the screen, right? And take little notes and stuff like that. I started to see more and more surfaces and I wonder if there's part, like, you know, part of this is like IBM with their new partnership with Apple, like, well, this product would be really great. And I know, we, you know, we know we could sell millions of these to the enterprise. And I wonder if that is a deciding factor in this product's decision as well. But I guess it's all about the way that, I mean, we're only ever going to know what Apple tell us, right, about why they made it. Um, but I'm interested to see what that story is. Because it's difficult to sit here and work out knowing what we know or guessing what we want to guess mm-hmm. about who is this for because at the moment it really does seem like 
artists is the main one that people keep throwing out there. Like, I see students, potentially, right? Apple can wheel out Phil Schiller to New York and they can do a textbook event again. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> we have the <laughs> iPad DX on our hands here. Um, and they can maybe roll out the textbooks <laughs> idea and you can take notes on it and stuff. Like, that That interests me because I am a pen and paper guy. Like, the idea of being able to take notes in a reliable form would be great. Because all of the current solutions is like the best way to do it is you have to enlarge the screen to get to that part so it can you can then shrink your notes down to a regular size later on because the sensitivity is not there and with the, the with the screen right and the styluses can't be precise enough so I like the idea of being able to do that and I think that would be really cool but then I try and think to myself how often do I really need that um, and it goes around and around from there. Yeah, because what is strange, I guess, is when you think about an iPad Pro and you imagine, well, it must be for uh, Pro iOS users. That's not normally what you hear, you know, <laughs> in our uh, in our circle of friends online, uh, and in general, like on tw- on tech Twitter, you don't see a lot of Pro iOS users. So everybody's trying to kind of imagine what this is for. Is it for the enterprise? Is it for education? Is it for uh, creative people? Uh, because it's it's so strange to think about the general public who's interested in a pro iOS kind of scenario. And it would be, if it's not directed, and I mean, and I mean it, it, Apple has to have a specific angle here. And if it's not directed or presented, you know, uh, as a product for a specific audience. So I don't see Apple going on stage and saying, so we made an iPad for, you know, the enterprise or we made an iPad for schools. They're going to say we made a bigger iPad and it's an iPad Pro because it does this and this and because iOS, we're taking it to the next level. That's kind of what I'm trying to imagine as a presentation. And it would set quite a precedent for, uh, you know, looking at and considering iOS as a professional platform because that role is typically filled by OS X. And maybe with this iPad, we're starting, we, we, we better start thinking about iOS as a feasible alternative for users who need to do pro stuff and so I'm thinking, would it be possible to do video editing on this? Would it be possible to do audio editing? Uh, what kind of improvements are they going to bring to make the pro workflows possible on an iPad? And it's so, it, it is strange to think about this because for many years, we've been juggling with many limitations on iOS. And now that they've started to open up, you know, last year with extensions and this year with multitasking on, on iOS 9, Maybe the next step is to finally say, "Yeah, okay, we're ready for we're ready for the pros, and we're gonna bring the iPad to the pros." And that's that's my you know? my problem with that argument is I spent fifteen minutes at the start of this show talking about a mouse that I've programmed eight buttons so I mm-hmm. can use Logic the way that I want. Mm-hmm. I don't see me being able to do that sort of stuff. No, but maybe with a keyboard. You know, not with a mouse, but maybe with a keyboard. Maybe we need gestures. Maybe we force touch. The reason the mouse is so good is because it allows me to do everything. Because I can do a lot of that stuff with the keyboard and the mouse. But it's the idea of me putting it all in the one place because it's the muscle memory, right, of having the buttons right in the palm of my hand that I can just click and it does all the stuff that I need. And 
I I think that they would struggle to move the current set of people that use pro apps like Logic and Final Cut to this type of experience because like, look what look at that what happened when they turned uh, Logic Pro Seven to Logic Pro Ten and how everyone went crazy right but it was the same app it's still on a Mac right they just changed a bunch of things that the app did imagine trying how different if you look at iPhoto right and how iPhoto was on iOS and how it was on the Mac imagine trying to turn an app like Logic or 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 Final Cut into an iPad app you could make a version of it so like maybe this type of stuff is for the next generation of pros but i think the current people that do this stuff i think it'd be really difficult to move them away onto onto an ipad i tend to agree with that mike i think there's a lot to be said for momentum when it comes to professionals you know you you run into people who have used the same you know, uh, input devices for 10 years, you know, they're using the same display they had since college because, you know, they know every, every dead pixel on it. They, they don't want to do something new. I think that's a real thing, uh, in this market, but you know, we're talking about this and, and I, I agree that these markets that people keep throwing out and that we have thrown out are, you know, not big enough to justify this thing's existence, but I can't like, if Apple announces this, they're not going to stand up, I don't think, and say this is for, you know, X. This is for the 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 graphic designer. This is for the uh, the the artist. This is for you know the student. I think they're going to show those as examples of people using this sort of thing, and then you know that's just going to kind of be it. It'll be part of a keynote, and and then they'll move on. But. Uh, you know, I don't see iOS 9 as great as it is and as much as they're doing with things like document providers, which, of course, they started in iOS 8, but finally sort of matters now, and iCloud Drive and, and all this stuff. Like, I'm just thinking about the work that we do. Just dealing with the files alone on iOS would be such a nightmare that, you know, Apple's not going to come out with this device and then with software features to, to handle all that all at once. It's going to be if this is the direction they're moving in, is going to be slow and it's going to be thought out and considered because iOS is not just for this device. They can't, I don't think they could introduce something like Logic Touch or whatever uh, and it have things in iOS that are built only for it, like from the file system perspective or from the, the audio processing perspective. So I don't think this is a magic bullet to fix or to fix the iPad's problems, or to give creatives, you know, something on equal footing with the Mac, and say, hey, you can use the Mac, or you can use this. I think there might be an opportunity to to augment what the Mac is doing, but I don't see someone, you know, hanging up their Mac Pro and picking this thing up and and continuing their work, you know, as is. Hmm. All right, let me take a break, and then we might have some... Do we have more on this that we want to talk about? No, I mean, it's... You know, just a rumor. So I feel like we we gotta wait for <laughs> we gotta wait for some actual news. All right, let's let's take a break then, and we'll talk about Fracture. I love Fracture, and I think that you will love them too because they make something truly unique. Fracture take the photos from your Instagram feed from the dark depths of the photos app or from the backup that you have or wherever it is you put your photos it takes them out of that digital form locked away inside of your devices and gives you them on a print like you've never seen before fracture take these pictures 
You go to FractureMe.com, you upload them, you choose the size that you want, square sizes, rectangle sizes, there's a bunch of different sizes that you can choose of those shapes, and they will send you a piece of glass with your photo printed directly on it. Fracture prints are very different to putting a picture in a frame. They just give the full picture is just it, right? That's it, just the picture on the wall with a lovely piece of glass in front of it, with some lovely foam on the back to keep it all nice and safe. They put a screw in the box so you can hang it on the wall, or you can get a little stand as well if you want to, so you can put it on a desk. And these fracture prints, they look fantastic. They make your colours really pop in your images, they bring them to life, and it's just a fantastic way to display the stuff that's important to you. They're great for gifts, they're great for podcast artwork, app icons, music, as well as, of course, the photos of your family and your friends that you want to display on your desk or you know in your home, or maybe you want to give as gifts to people that are important to you. And it's really hard for me to try and explain to you in audio just how good these prints look. And they're very different to anything that you will have seen before. It's edge to edge, right? You've got the whole image right there with this beautiful piece of glass on, on the top of it. And Fracture makes sure that every print that leaves their little factory in Gainesville, Florida, has been checked. They're all hand-assembled as well. They have a great team there that look after this stuff. I've had fracture prints shipped to me, pieces of glass, I must add, shipped to me from Florida to the United Kingdom. I've had seven, and every single one of them has arrived in perfect shape, and they would be sure to help you out if you have any problems at all because they're great people over there their order process is so simple their prices are fantastic they start at just $15 so they're great for you they're great for gifts they're not going to break the bank so if you have a picture that you really love this is a place to put it you want to go to fractureme.com to get started and once you've selected what you're after you can use the code connected at checkout and you'll get 15% off your first order which is a fantastic deal as well so if you enjoy listening to this show and you like photos which I think if you listen to this show you definitely like photos we've spoken about it enough you should be getting a fracture print for yourself of one of your favorites go to fractureme.com right now and check them out thank you so much to fracture for supporting connected so Federico uh, went away, and when Federico goes away, he basically <laughs> turns his holiday into like a nature program. Uh, it's a it's a research program for yeah. observing the social animals. They're also called humans. So we always love to hear these stories that Federico has uh, of real people, and uh, we have some mm-hmm. some real people stories today. Yes, we do. Um, I, I spent quite a bit of time observing the humans and the normals uh, during this vacation. And, you know, especially going in two different locations, uh, one populated mostly by Americans on vacation, you know, in Italy, and the other mostly by locals. It was quite a mix of different communities. So it was a very interesting... Uh, it's actually a project because I created a note in the notes app and I, and I, and I took notes. <laughs> I took, it was called Connected Notes for Vacation. And because I really wanted to talk about this stuff. I think um, that means you can write off your holiday as a business expense. I'm just going to put that out there. Talk to your accountant, Federica. Yeah. Well, I got to talk to you and Steven, I guess. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, the first thing that... I immediately noticed is the, this was the summer of the selfie stick. Everybody, like literally every group of friends had one. And the, there were selfie sticks everywhere. There were people taking selfies with with a selfie stick. There were people 
into the sea, like in into the water with a selfie stick and one of those protective um, waterproof cases for an yeah. iPhone or a Samsung phone. Uh, there were peop- group groups of like 10 people taking big group selfies with a selfie stick. There were couples with a selfie stick t- taking a selfie at maybe waiting at the restaurant, you know, at the table. They would just <laughs> take, a, take a selfie stick out of, out of a bag or a purse and just take a selfie for some reason. Um, I saw at one point I saw someone using the selfie stick as a walking stick. That's in Positano, <laughs> that, that felt wrong. It was quite original as a, as a use case for just the selfie Just get a walking stick. stick if you need one. Just get a walking stick. I mean, just get a walking <laughs> stick. Why would you use a selfie stick? Anyway, so besides the, the, the obvious selfie stick uh, slash iPhone or Galaxy phone combination, I also saw quite a few GoPro cameras. Uh, mounted on the selfie stick. That was really interesting because I saw quite a few people, and especially in Positano, which is this beautiful town in the Amalfi Coast, where a lot of Americans go to. It must be quite popular in, in the United States as a, as a destination in Italy. I mean, it is awesome. So, um, A few people were using their, their iPhones and Samsungs n- just normally as phones, but they were using the selfie stick with the GoPro as a sort of detachable camera of sorts, used not just for selfies, I mean, primarily for selfies, but also for like general, you know, purpose pictures taken from a, from a higher point of view, maybe. Yeah. Uh, that was interesting, you know, to use a separate camera on a selfie stick and then use the, because I saw them and I, and I overheard them talking about this, there must be some kind of wireless transfer between the GoPro and the iPhone. I think, Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Steven, do you have a GoPro? Uh, I have access to one that uh, my brother owns. It's uh, Mm -hmm. another, they're great little cameras. And you know, what's nice about it is if they have this like rugged case, you can put them in. So if you drop it or it gets rained on, yeah. It's not going to be ruined, you know. If you're, if you're, like, I don't want to hold my iPhone six plus at the end of a six foot little stick I bought and watch it tumble to the ground. So mm-hmm. maybe there's some yeah. uh, device safety in there for some people. Mm-hmm. So the selfie stick uh, and uh, has taken over Europe, and the GoPro is uh, quite popular as an addition to the selfie stick, but primarily a listing Italy and a listing. Positano, which is, uh, I think it's pretty representative of, you know, uh, the tori- tourist aspect of Italy. It, th- there's selfie sticks everywhere. Like, there's everyone has a selfie stick. And when I Did went- Did anybody in your group have one, Federico? Yes, when uh, because in Positano it was just me and Silvia, but when we went down there to, 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 to the Puglia, which is a region in the southern part of Italy, uh, our group of friends had a selfie stick. And so I can testify that the selfie stick is popular among, uh, you know, Americans and other Europeans visiting Italy, but also local Italian people have selfie sticks. All right. It is super popular. What is your opinion year. of them and now you've used one as well as I observing? Think, yes, I, I, I believe <laughs> from my, <laughs> my campaign from my point of view. <laughs> no, I think he, it, you look silly when using a selfie stick. And this could be, you know, the novelty effect. You look silly with, because you have a stick, basically. You're using a stick to take pictures. And it very much, it, it is noticeable. You know, other people look at you. Yeah, because you um, look crazy. You look crazy. Yeah. You look, you know, what are you doing? But I think 
the reason the selfie stick is so popular is people love to take group selfies. But it's not that people necessarily want to use the front-facing camera in that sense of the selfie. In the age of the smartphone, I believe people don't want to hand their phone to someone else to take a group picture. Yeah, yeah. That I think that's where a lot of this does stem from as well. I've been thinking about that. You, it used to be that you would have a camera or one of those disposable Kodak cameras, maybe. You go on vacation, you, you ask a passerby to take a picture of you and take a picture and, you know, you receive the camera back. But with the smartphone, you know, it's an expensive device. People don't, and there's so much information on this device, right? You get notifications, you get notifications, you get phone calls, you have maybe a custom wallpaper, you know, there's all sorts of custom stuff on your device. And you don't want to give your smartphone to someone else, even just for a few seconds so i believe that's the reason why the selfie stick especially among groups of people it's so popular and it makes sense you know you look a bit stupid maybe and and i definitely looked stupid when when using the selfie stick um but it is there's a reason why it's popular and it's a very practical reason i guess and and i I mean, it makes sense. When you consider that perspective, I don't want to give my iPhone 6 Plus to, to someone else, even for just a few seconds, because what if someone else like runs away with my phone? Am I going <laughs> to catch him? You know? Yeah. So my, my next, my follow-up question for this is, do you or will you buy a selfie stick of your own? Do you own one already? For as now? much as this may shock you, I already own a selfie stick. Yeah, I figured. Did you buy it on this trip or had you bought it beforehand and you had a dirty right secret? before right before the okay. trip, but not because I wanted to buy a selfie stick. I wanted to buy uh, uh what is it called? A tripod for the iPhone. Yeah. And and I, I bought a set from Amazon. There there was like uh that thing to to hold the iphone up and there was like three lenses and also a selfie stick inside and it was a good price and i'm like maybe i'm not gonna use the selfie stick all the time but whatever it's included so i'm gonna buy everything and i and bet you well, used the selfie stick more than the tripod didn't you? no what's even more <laughs> ridiculous is that i forgot to bring my selfie stick oh. <laughs> 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 so yeah, I I observed other people, and then when we went down to Puglia, uh, a friend of ours had, had her selfie stick, so we used that one. Um, but yes, the selfie stick is very popular this year. The second the second note, um, and this is a quick one. I didn't see I didn't see anyone using Apple Music on their iPhones. Uh, uh, this is especially for the second week of the trip, the second part. My friend, I have quite a few friends with with the, with the iPhone, uh, but they they're mostly using Spotify for for music. Uh, they they don't pay for Spotify, and even when I told them, you know, there's a free trial of Apple Music, they're just they say they're fine with Spotify. They don't want to try Apple Music because they're afraid they're gonna pay somehow eventually. I don't know if my friends are overly protective of their wallets. Or if maybe they're just, you know, they don't have many needs. You know, they're just fine with Spotify and the ads. And 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 a common argument is that everyone I know uses Spotify. So I use Spotify as well. That's, I guess that's strange from my perspective because I want to try all of, you know, uh, the, new, the new stuff from Apple. Of course, I want to try Apple Music because I'm curious. But 
my friends, they're not, they're not as curious as me when it comes to software. I don't know whether I should, I'm supposed to be sad about this, whether I'm supposed to change friends. I mean, I don't want to change friends just because they're not interested in software, but it's a, it's a very much different perspective from, from us. We love to try new stuff, especially from Apple all the time. But these people, they're like, everyone I know uses these other things. So even if Apple has a new thing out and there's a free trial and I don't have to pay, I don't care. <laughs> that was the the basic argument. Uh, it was quite strange, but you know, Spotify is popular in Italy. Do you know if like they just hadn't seen it? Like no, no, they're familiar with the with the with the with the, with Apple Music. They know what it is. Right. They know about the free trial. Okay. They just don't care about starting one. Uh, I mean. This is the group of friends that I met on vacation. I have a couple of friends here in Rome. They are using the free trial of Apple Music. And they, they, I think they will start paying as a, a subscription eventually. But this was other people I don't normally engage with, you know? So it was interesting to ask them about Apple Music. Sure. Before I talk about the the, the other, <laughs> this is super strange for me. Uh, do, you, do you need to take a break, Mike? Yeah, let us take a break. We'll talk about Squarespace and then, then there's some peculiar things on the other side of <laughs> yes. this. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for Squarespace for sponsoring today. You can start building your own website today right now at squarespace.com and you want to use the code WORLD at checkout. It's going to get you 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. With Squarespace, you can build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of of your skill level and no coding required. They have intuitive and easy to use tools so you can make your website look and feel exactly how you want, whether you know how to make a website or whether you, you know, whether you don't. If you know how to make this stuff but you just can't be bothered to code it all again and then do all the security updates and make sure the hosting's all okay, then you can just use Squarespace and you're going to be happy. Happy as Larry, you may say, if you come from where I do, but if you don't, that means that you'll be a very happy person. And if you don't know how to build a website like me, I have no idea how to do this stuff. Uh, I use have and have used Squarespace for many years and it makes me happy because I get all of the power that I want without having to worry about any of the nasty stuff. Squarespace use state-of-the-art technology to power your website and they ensure security and stability and because of this they are trusted by millions of people around the world and some really big brands and companies as well. All Squarespace's templates look fantastic. They have responsive design throughout and you can customize them to to fit exactly what you need and you know reshape things to your heart's content and really give it the look and feel that you want. And all of this is backed up with 24/7 support that Squarespace have. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland who are there to help you out. They have their commerce platform as well, which allows anybody to add a store to their Squarespace site. Like, for example, if you would like to buy a Relay t-shirt or some stickers or some little buttons, then you can go to our store, relay.fm slash store, and you'll be able to buy that stuff, and that's all powered by Squarespace. We use their commerce platform. We use their blog stuff as well to make our own blog because it just makes sense for us because Squarespace know how to do it and they give us all of the tools that we need. If you want to stretch Squarespace even further, they can use their dev platform as well. It's out of beta now, available to everyone. It gives you more functionality to take your Squarespace site further than ever before and also, you know, this is the type of stuff that if you know the code and you know how to do these types of things and you want to tinker with the CSS and stuff like that, you can do that. Squarespace allow you to if you want to and if you know how. If you sign up for a year, you'll also nab yourself a freedom 
domain name. And Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. You can sign up for a free trial right now with no credit card required and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code WORLD because you'll be supporting this show and also getting yourself 10% off your first purchase. We'd like to thank Squarespace for their continued support of this show. Squarespace, build it beautiful. What have you got for us, Federico? Okay, so <laughs> there's these. I'm not sure what to call it. It's a it's a ride sharing service. It's called Blah Blah Car, and it's apparently pretty popular in Italy. It lets you travel from one place to another with other people in the same car, and you pay a very small fee. So basically, it works in two ways. You can be a driver or you can be a passenger. If you're a driver, you're a private autonomous driver. You're not part of any organization. So it's not like Uber or, you know, these other uh, taxi services. It's regular, normal people driving and going from one place to another. If you're a driver, you have a few, you can, you can, you can have a few people in your car and you make your car available to others and you, you basically, you establish a fee for the trip and you let other people join you in your trip. So everyone saves a bit of money because if you're a passenger, you pay less than highway tolls and, you know, those kind of taxes. If you're a driver, you can, and you, in your car is empty anyway, you can have a few people pay for the trip and you can use that money for maybe gas or highway tolls. And everyone is happy because you don't have to travel alone. You don't have to take the train. You don't have to pay, you know, taxes for, for the, the organization here is called Autostrade Italiane, which means uh, Italian highways. And it and it's so popular. Like, I had no idea this ride sharing. I mean, I am familiar with the idea of ride sharing. And I thought it was common in the United States and maybe in other countries in Europe. I just had no idea that this kind of service had, ta- had taken off so much in Italy. Uh, so I was talking to a friend and he, he needed to go back to Rome. And I'm like, so are you driving? Are you taking the train? Are you going by plane? And he's like, no, 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 I'm going, I'm going with someone that I met on, on blah, blah car. And I'm like, what is, what is blah, blah car? <laughs> so he explains that you register a profile on blah, blah car. You can be a driver, you can be a passenger and you start searching for the itinerary that you need to have. So you needed to go from Lecce, which is the the, the biggest town in the area where I was, uh, search from Lecce to Rome, and you find other people traveling there the same day. You see what type of, ca- of what type of car they have, uh, what kind of people they are, because everyone has a profile, and you have features on your profile, such as, uh, is he a talkative person? Does he like to talk much? Or is he a silent person? Or does he allow smokers in the car? So people, do people write this about you? Like if you are a person who signed up. No, you describe yourself right. and you set the rules for your car. And also people then leave reviews for you and the way that you drive, the way that you behave. Uh, and, and I looked at reviews and it's like, uh, for instance, I don't know, Mario is such a nice driver. We had fun. We talked about work. Uh, it, it didn't, it didn't allow smokers in the car and his driving, his driving style is super relaxed. And you know, that you actually leave a review for someone driving. <laughs> 
uh, you, there's a star system, I think. And then you also receive feedback as a passenger. So if you if maybe the driver doesn't want people to talk much and you mind your own business, the driver leaves a positive review because you sat in the in the back seat and you listen to music all you know during the entire trip. And my friend, he had like three to four trips using this service. And another friend, uh, she was the one with the selfie stick also. So she's very much on top of tech yeah, trends. She's on the trend. Uh, Yes, uh, she often uses like this was the 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 for like seven or eight times I think she goes from Milan to Rome and vice versa all the time using blah blah car, and it's so popular. I mean, they have they claim to have over twenty million registered users. And I'm not sure about these numbers, but everyone I talked to, especially among normal people, they were like, come on, you don't know Blah Blah Car? I'd never heard of it, man. It's in the UK as well. I'd never heard of it. Never heard of it. And now, two points to be made here. I have a car and I'm always driving and I've never, ever had a need for something like this. Also, my friends are more adventurous than me when it comes to hanging out with people they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would never have someone I don't know in my car for like a trip that lasts, you know, seven to eight hours uh, because I don't trust, <laughs> you know, people this I don't know personally. This is how I feel too. Um, it, I mean, what if you have a crazy stalker in your car? Uh, but apparently it's very much a trusted service. Uh, my friends, they said never had anything wrong with it. One time I even... At a, at a trip with a car of five people in the same car and one of them had a cat in a cage. Interesting. <laughs> so, that was very much interesting. Um, but yes, uh, it's, it, this is, it was very strange to me and I had to take many notes to understand how this works. It sounds like uh, Lyft, L-Y-F-T, yeah, which is something guess, that exists in America. Uh, uh, Lyft is very similar to... I mean, Lyft is basically Uber, though. This oh, is, I thought it was ride-sharing. It there's more ride sharing than Uber, but it's basically you still order a car. I believe this. Oh, looking okay. at this website, this seems pretty different. Ah, uh, okay. So it it the, ta- it ta- it's got that part of it as like Lyft is that it's regular people rather than like Uber drivers who are like effectively taxis. But these people are taking you somewhere rather than they're right. going there too. The the real question I have, Federico, is do they have a selfie stick policy? Can you selfie stick in the back seat? Like I don't know, but they, I know that they have, of course, a smoking policy and a music policy and a pet policy. I'm not sure about the, the selfie stick policy. Um, my friends thought, they all said that the, the, the nice consequence of using BlaBlaCar is that you get to meet new people. And uh, both of my friends said, we exchanged phone numbers and I got to know people that work in, you know, in, in offices and places that I might, that I may need eventually. So I'm keeping in touch with these people and I basically met new friends. And that was an interesting social aspect to ride sharing and one that I didn't really consider before. I mean, I'm still convinced that I would never have someone in my car or I would <laughs> never ever use blah, blah car myself. But 
if you feel if you like risk basically if you like to put your life in danger and if you feel adventurous i guess it's it's a nice way to save a bit of money is it terrible that i hear that and i'm like i don't want to meet anyone else yeah i don't want to meet anyone else either i'm reading their trust and safety page on the uh the uk site and uh they uh you know allow rating so i guess if someone murders you you don't give them a five star rating and yeah, one star for, for murder so the thing about this though is like this actually like i'm looking at this stuff and i feel like it com- it conflicts with everything about my personality <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem here like i understand that it's probably very good but there isn't a fiber of my body that wants to do this but I'm not, you know, that's me because I'm weird. I think that people mm. doing this is maybe more normal than uh, than others. But anyway, last thing in your list here, Federico, is Apple Watches. So I yes. just wanted to mention quickly, I have seen three now um, Apple Watches out in the world uh, that, that in London. So that's that, which mm-hmm. is great, I suppose. I'm still, I'm still looking for my first... Uh, Apple Watch out in real life, in the real world. And I was hoping that in Positano I would get to see an Apple Watch, you know, with all these Americans. There's maybe a higher possibility of, you know, people being more aware of the latest Apple product because it came out before. But no, no, no Apple Watch for me. And I was kind of I think for some people I, I, I looked a bit creepy because I was constantly looking at the wrist and you know, I was just curious to see if they were wearing an Apple Watch, um, but no, no Apple Watch. I I did also see people looking at my wrist, looking at the Apple Watch, me and Sylvia, mm. but I didn't see uh, normal people with Apple Watches. I see a lot of Casio watches, you know, the one with the little display. I think it's back in fashion. Yeah, they're cool. They're retro, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no Apple Watch yet. So, Stephen, have you seen any? Uh, a couple. Uh, you know, I think I probably have a better likelihood because the only people I hang out with in real life anymore are nerds. But uh, even a couple people at my old job had them. You know, we had a developer who had one, had a designer who had one. Uh, we actually had a designer who won hers through some sort of thing, like it was some design contest or something, and she like she won an Apple Watch, which was, was kind of crazy. But, like, going to the supermarket or something, you know, I might see one every now and again, but um, I, I definitely have the sensation that you had, Federico, where you notice people looking at yours, especially, I get especially, like, if I'm paying for something or, like, I'm at a counter, like, you know, like, where my hands are out and, you know, usually somebody will, will kind of glance at it, but uh, it's definitely not every day or on any regular basis. It still seems really hit or miss even to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Sylvia said that because she was hoping to see an Apple Watch in, you know, out in in the in the real world, and she asked me, "Is it is the Apple Watch selling well?" Because I don't see any Apple Watches, and that's a legitimate question, I guess, especially because you know we we expect this sort of crazy popularity from Apple uh, after the iPhone and the iPad. We expect to see a lot of 
Apple Watches. Uh, but instead, we're seeing maybe, you know, we're not seeing a crazy adoption, hundreds of millions of units sold in a couple of months. That's not just because it's not possible, but, you know, because it's a new product and people are still not sure what to make of it. And every time someone has the confidence to ask me about the Apple Watch, uh, they're like, is it? What do you use it for? Is it useless? Is it just a nice thing to have? And so there's, you know, quite a bit of explanation that Apple still has to, to make, to, to, to help normal people, most people, you know, non-tech bloggers or podcasters. I feel that's proper label, um, to help them understand the Apple Watch. Because every time, especially people my age, they're like, is it nice? Is it useless? That's <laughs> two questions always go together. And useless, not in the sense that you're wasting money, but in the sense that it's not as essential as an iPhone. I feel they're asking. And, uh, you know, it's a first-generation product, and I guess it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I, I don't know how prolific it's going to get. In all honesty, like, I can't think about that right now. Like, I can't, I can't see it being like a mass adoption thing, but I don't know is how the original iPhone was. It was like yeah. rare and you never know how these things are going to go over time. We'll see. I mean, there's definitely places I'm sure that the watch can go to become more of a pivotal device for people and more mm. of a required thing, you know, but I don't think it's there right now. Even for many of the people that currently already own one. Yeah. It's just a nice yeah. to have. Right, I think that about wraps up this week. Federico, do you have any more uh, observations of the world? I don't think so. I mean, selfie sticks, Apple Music, Apple Watch, and blah, blah, car. I think that's the... <laughs> that is Thumbs the main... up your trip, really. Yes, yes. Uh, that, that, that's what I remember, really, is the selfie stick everywhere. I'm kind of haunted by the selfie stick, but yes, that's a, <laughs> those are uh, my highlights. Blah, blah, car has left, I think, the longest lasting impact on me of, the, of all oh, yeah? the topics. Maybe yeah, you should try fun. blah, blah, car, especially because nope. you don't have a driving license. Mike. Nope. I'll just take an Uber. That's That's perfectly fine for me. Why would you give up on the on the thrill of putting your life in danger and hopping on a, on a <laughs> on a stranger's car? I put my life in danger enough every time I get in a car. Um, mm. I, I don't need any additional uh, fear. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, you should come to London in... and we'll get one together. How about that? You also okay? Okay, we, we, we're gonna do the blah 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 car thing together. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll do it the blah happens. blah cast. How about that? <laughs> it's like two podcasters in, in a blah blah car getting coffee <laughs> but if if anything goes wrong I'm going to the Italian embassy in London we'll live so, stream it so people can hear us awesome. we'll do a periscope from the embassy and, and we'll see awesome all right, I think that wraps up this week. If you want to catch our show notes, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 54. If you want to find us online, we are all on Twitter. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Steven is at I-S-M-H. And I am at I-Mike, I-M-Y-K-E. If you'd like to find Federico elsewhere, he's over at maxstories.net. And he is also the host, along with myself, of Virtual on Relay FM, where we talk about video games. If you'd like to find Steven online, he is uh, also at 512pixels.net and is the host of Lift 
off with Jason Snell, where they talk about space. And uh, I am the host of many other shows on Relay FM, which you can find all of these shows on the glorious Relay FM at relay.fm. We'll make it nice and easy for you. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Fracture, and Arc. Go support them because they help support us. But thank you for listening, as always, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.